for listening to the Daily Roundup here as part of the Reality Steve podcast. I am your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Good Friday show for you. We've got so much to talk about in regards to Big Brother. Last night's eviction episode, we are going to talk about how post-show interviews work because a few of you have emailed me about that. We've got an answer in regards to Matt's hearing and how it's being dealt with on the show, and it is so much more intricate and detailed than I ever could have possibly imagined. I got something to say about Julie. Luke gave another statement on an Instagram Live Wednesday night to talk about his um, ejection from the show, so to speak. We're going to talk about the challenge from last night. I watched part two and the reunion show of Temptation Island. I'm speechless. (laughs) I don't want to give, I'm not going to give you any spoilers, but holy crap. The F-Boy Island cast was revealed, and maybe we'll get to Britney. I've just got so much other stuff on these reality shows. So we'll see what we get to, and we'll get to that momentarily. All right, let's start off. Last night in the eviction, Riley goes home over Cameron, and again, this was a whole editing fake-out job. Literally for 30 minutes, the only thing being talked about was how much the professors wanted to turn on Hysom, and we don't like the way Hysom talks to us, and we want him out of here, and all this. Not one talk whatsoever about Cameron possibly staying. It was all about the first 30 minutes, how do we save Riley? Let's keep her here. So many people saying, you know what? Keeping Riley here helps my game for 30 minutes nonstop. And then what was the vote? 12-0 to send her home. Like, So, again, it was one of these deals where editing wanted to have you believe because editing probably knew. Um, Production knew, even though it's a live vote on Thursday nights, production is aware of who people are voting for. And they probably knew before they even went into the voting booth that it was going to be Riley and it was going to be unanimous, as are the early votes. I mean, like I said, I've only watched four seasons, but it seems like Whoever the target is in episodes probably one through four, maybe even one through five, it always seems to be a unanimous vote because even if you don't want to vote that person out and they are someone you formed an alliance with, if you go against the majority, you're done. So, yeah, that's where I just, for 30 minutes, I'm like, okay, this seems like way too obvious that everyone's going to flip and all of a sudden it's going to be Cameron. And there we go, 12 nothing vote of Riley over Cameron. I mean, there if that wasn't the absolutely personification of how editing works on this show, I don't know what is because they made you think that Riley was getting saved and it wasn't even close. So all the talk about I don't like the way Hysom talks to us and Hysom's got too much power and now I understand. Sari said it in one of her confessionals. Like, look, we can vote Cameron out now and, and have Hysom know that we're on to him and he's going to be our next target, or we vote Riley out, Hysom thinks we're all with him, and we blindside him. Either way, does it really matter? He can't compete in the next HOH. If everybody doesn't like him in there, whether he's backdoored or not, it doesn't matter because he'll still have a chance at the veto. So I don't think backdooring someone for a nomination is all that hard or all that important because they all have a chance to get off the block if they win veto. 
backdooring someone on a veto if someone you need to win wins and you put up your real target, then that makes a lot more sense of backdooring somebody. Does it really matter if Heisum gets surprised at the next nomination that he goes up? No. I mean, he'll be surprised and he might be pissed at people. Is that going to make him try extra hard to win the veto? He was going to try hard anyway. So I don't really understand that philosophy, but maybe I don't understand this game so much. I just don't think surprising someone as a nomination is that big of a deal because it's not like the nomination is locked in. They have a chance to get off the block. So maybe I'm the dumb one here. So a couple things in regards to post-show stuff. A few of you have asked me, can I interview Big Brother people after the show? I don't have much of a relationship with CBS. However, take you back two years ago when I was dating Kat Dunn from season 21 and she was starting up her podcast and interviewing the people who were eliminated, I saw how the process worked. And frankly, I don't want any part of that because Kat had to first get approved and she had just started out her podcast. So I'm guessing I'd be approved to interview people. However, it's not like they just get you on a call and they say, okay, you got 30 minutes, 45 minutes. It's no. The way Kat had to conduct every single interview with eliminated contestants for season 22, and I guess even 23 and 24, I think she's still doing it. Um, sorry, we're just, <laughs> there's no relationship there anymore. We don't even talk. So um, I what she had to do is you have to submit five questions in an email to CBS. And assuming they approve all of them, then what happens is, say, you know, Riley got eliminated last night. So Riley will be in her hotel room tomorrow. And I'm trying to remember what it was. If she gets to speak to them directly on a Zoom, the person interviewing, or it's either... Either she got to interview them personally, but she had to ask those five questions that were approved by CBS. Basically, you have to get pre-approved questions. CBS is just not going to let you go in there willy-nilly and interview somebody and ask whatever the hell you want. They have to see the questions beforehand. And it was just dumb to me. So, no, I'm not going to be interviewing any Big Brother contestants unless the only one I've ever interviewed, well, outside of Kat and, and Tommy Bracco from her season... Uh, was last season when I interviewed Taylor Hale, but that was done through after the season was well over and she came on my podcast. We were able to have a regular conversation because I did it through her PR team. That would be the only way I'd be interested in interviewing Big Brother people. I'm not interviewing them and having to get pre-approved questions. Fuck that. That ain't happening. So, yeah, that's the way it works. It's either she got to interview them but has to ask them those questions or, like, Riley would be sitting in her hotel room tomorrow and it's like, okay, this question comes from Kat Dunn from the uh, conspire. What's it called? What's her podcast called? It's conspire, conspire away, bitches podcast. Um, and then Riley would just be read the question by somebody, and she sends a video answer back to Kat, and maybe Kat, and maybe that's what it was. All Kat gets is, or the the interviewer. I'm using Kat as an example because this is how I know it was done. Cat gets in a video clip back from the person answering her question, and then Cat just records her question. So that's how it works. I'm just like, I don't want to. No, it's not how I'm doing my interviews. Sorry. 
I need more than five questions, and I need more than, I don't know, seven or eight minutes. So that's why it's not happening. I want to thank everybody who came to me yesterday. Uh, a lot of you. I had oh, at least 15 to 20 emails of people that sent me the article from Dalton Ross at EW.com in regards to how they have adjusted the game so Matt is not at a disadvantage because of his um, hearing impairment and being deaf. So I would kind of explain it to you, but I read the whole article and holy shit, it is so detailed and so intricate. I, w- I, I kind of didn't even understand a lot of it, of how they're doing it with Matt. I mean, this is just one of the paragraphs from this article, which is very long and talks about all the different things they've had to do to make sure Matt's not at a disadvantage. They said they had to check out some new audio equipment. Matt was actually blindfolded and taken into the house before the game began to test out the technology. He was whisked into the backyard to test out the speaker placement and the levels also brought into the diary room where all his interview confessionals would take place. The diary room was extra tricky because Matt, because unlike with his interactions with the other contestants, Matt could not simply read lips since producers are heard but not seen. Nor could producers turn the volume way up for Matt's hearing aids to pick up. The diary room is a place where you tell your inner secrets, right? Says Big Brother's chief engineer David Crivelli, who's been with the show since season one so we need to make sure that no sound leaves the diary room and goes out into the living room because we have turned on the amplifier speaker up to where matt can hear a better producer asking him a question then we are doing a disservice to matt because we're releasing secrets to the house guests i mean this is the kind of article it was and it's literally another 15 or 20 paragraphs like it is way more intricate you'd have to go to ew.com the title of the article is how big brother made the game accessible for deaf contestant matt klotz it's written by dalton ross and it's excellent and it's very detailed about how they're doing it so that's the best way to know. I can't even explain it to you because half of the stuff I was just, this was going over my head. I just was like, I still don't get it. Especially when they described Wednesday's veto competition. I was so confused on how they did that for Matt. Um, but it's, it's explained in detail, but I didn't want to reread it five, six, seven times like I was in sixth grade to try and comprehend it. I was never good at reading comprehension, uh, and apparently that still holds true to this day because I read that whole article and I'm like, okay, I don't want to keep rereading this. Clearly they're making it so he's not at a disadvantage. That's all that matters. Period. End of story. Another thing I want to talk about is Julie's post-show interview. She's only had two because we've had two people eliminated now, Kirsten and Riley. And both of the times she asked the contestants because these contestants are now out of the house. They have no contact with those people inside the house. So Julie can share about alliances and relationships but both times she has asked Kirsten and then last night with Riley there is a secret relationship in the house who do you think it is I think Julie needs to rephrase that secret relationship immediately if I were to hear that coming straight out of the house I wouldn't think that means people are related I would think that means two people are having a relationship not necessarily sexual but they are um, bonding together and not sharing it with anybody else Kirsten didn't guess. Riley guessed <laughs> Riley guessed Jared and Blue. She's like, Jared and Blue seem to be spending a lot of time together. I know they like each other. And she's like, well, it does involve Jared, but it's not a relationship. Oh, and Riley's like, oh, sorry. <laughs> so Riley just outed that relationship for people who probably aren't watching the live feeds. I think Julie needs to rephrase the question. Why can't she just say, there are two people in the house that are related? Who do you think it is? I mean, maybe it'd be maybe it would be obvious. I don't know. I, I don't think it would be, but saying who do you think there's or there's a secret relationship in the house? I don't know. I don't think anybody's going to come out and 
after just being evicted, guess it right away, especially since you're put on the spot. It's not like Julie's giving you a minute to figure it out. She's giving you maybe five or ten seconds. I don't know. I would just rephrase the question. So yesterday we talked about the fact that Luke came out and had that weird Instagram story response to him getting kicked out of the show and didn't even address anything he said. Well, he went on um, Instagram Live on Wednesday night and said this. I'm not upset at the production. Their hands were tied. They had to make a sacrifice. I understand why it is upsetting. I think they made the wrong decision. I think a slap on the wrist would have been a much better thing. Of course you do. He went on to say, I had no ill intent. It was directed at Corey, and it was after about a week of malnutrition, a week of sleep deprivation. I was getting probably two and a half hours of sleep on that cheese block, and you don't really take into account the psychological distress of being under studio lighting for 24-7 and not knowing who your friends and who your enemies are. So what happened happened. Do I regret it? Obviously, but I feel like it happened for a reason. What? That doesn't make any sense. It happened for a reason? You dropping an N-bomb? Uh, again, it is, I just read you two paragraphs that he said from his Instagram Live. At no point did he take any accountability for what he said or apologize in any way. This guy doesn't get it. He doesn't care. He doesn't get it. I should have gotten a slap on the wrist, not kicked out of the game. Of course he said that. Again, he doesn't get it. He even went on to say even more. It was shocking news. Oh, they wrapped me up and threw me in a room for seven hours. I spoke to HR, then they shipped me back home, and it was genuinely, it was devastating. It was very upsetting. It was very sad. I slept like a baby that night. I had beautiful dreams of being on the show. Then I woke up, and they hit me with it. And it's funny because they called me into the diary room, which they hadn't done for a while, and I said, it's so weird. It's like getting called to the principal's office, and I feel like I'm in trouble. And little did I know I was in the most trouble possible. He's not sure whether any of the house guests will want to keep in touch with him after the season ends. He said, at this point, apparently I'm pretty radioactive. As much as I loved everyone and I still do, they kind of have to hate me. Them's the breaks. Zero remorse, zero apology. He does not care, and he doesn't seem to understand the magnitude of what he said. I think that's fairly obvious at this point. All right, so I watched the part two of the temptation Island finale last night, which is followed by the reunion show. You're going to see those two hours next Wednesday night on USA. You know, you're going to see the resolution of Roberto and Vanessa's final bonfire. You're going to see great in Paris and you're going to see hall and Caitlin. And then we're going to go into the reunion show where everybody, all the couples are there and the important singles from the season are also there. If you didn't see my tweet, which I then also put on my Instagram story, these two hours are an utter disaster. Both shows. It is a total mess. But it's so good. It is so good. This is the TV. This is like you just put in nine weeks of a television show and you want a good payoff you're going to get a good payoff. I don't think anybody's going to be disappointed in what they see. You might be able to predict certain things that happen at the final bonfires, but hearing what people say, the things that they say, how they say it, questions that are asked, it's good stuff. Then you get to the reunion show, and you're just going to hear some bombshells because 
This show, when they filmed it back in 2022, I believe it was mostly the month of October. Then the reunion show, I believe, filmed in February. I thought that's what Mark said when he came on at the beginning of the season, that they filmed the reunion show in February and didn't start airing until June. I mean, they had already filmed their season and filmed a reunion show four months before the first episode even aired. So it's almost like we need an update of what's going on now, but, well, anyway, you're going to see what happened at the end of filming, and then four months pass, they all show up for the reunion show, and you'll see what has happened from filming till the reunion show. And like I said, there's going to be bombshells. There's going to be questions asked that you're just like, what? There's going to be things said that you're like, huh? There's going to be some things that you're probably scratching your head at with some of these couples that may or may not have stayed on the island as a couple or broken up on the island but are now like there's some confusion there's some heartbreak there's some head scratching there's some bombshells i mean it's got it all you're gonna love it (laughs) i'm just giving you a heads up right now you are gonna love it and one thing you got to remember and I'll i'll remind you this next wednesday on the daily roundup as we as you watch the episode that night is when they filmed the reunion show, as I told you, it was in February. Remember, the show didn't start airing till June. So none of these people, I don't think, had been shown the episodes. So there's something that happens at the reunion that is being shown to people for the very first time, and then they're like, whoa, wait a second. <laughs> so yeah, take that into consideration as well, because you'd be like, wait a second, you already saw this. No, they didn't, because the reunion show was filmed in February. show didn't start airing until June. So keep that in mind for next Wednesday. I'll, or Yeah, next Wednesday. And I'll even remind you next Wednesday as we head into uh, that two-hour episode. But it is good. I, I just think the payoff is worth it. If you've put in nine weeks of watching the show, I think you're going to enjoy the payoff. If you're looking for just trash, smut reality TV, you're getting it next week. Just be ready. So we've known for about a month now. Um, I was the first to tell you that Katie Thurston was going to be one of the three leads on F-Boy Island. Well, yesterday, the F-Boy Island Instagram page officially made their announcement of the other two women and the guys that are going to be on F-Boy Island this season. The other two women are, I don't want to mispronounce her last name, but according to her Instagram page, her last name is spelled O-K-E-O-W-O. So Haley Okiowo. And then the other one is Danny or Daniela Almeida. And she is a model in L.A., I believe. Yeah. she She's a model. And then they released the guys. And I guess there is 10... It's 10 nice guys and 11 F boys, or maybe it's 11 F or 11 nice guys and 10 F boys. But, you know, you see, you see some of the guys and I'm just looking at, I mean, I don't know anything about (laughs) these guys. We've got a, I, I, the only thing that stuck out to me was some of their names. We've got a Lando. We've got a Nick spelled N Y K, which is the first time in history I've ever even seen a Nick spell his name. N-Y-K. 
Um, let's see. CJ, Vince, Elijah, Evander, Bryce, Marco, Jared. There's Nick. Nick is a 32-year-old singer-songwriter from L.A. Uh, there's a Steven. Pierce. Dio. It's a Chippendales dancer in Vegas. <laughs> 30-year-old Chippendales dancer from Vegas. Uh, Keith has a very obvious tank top tan going on because he's shirtless in his picture. Marquise, Tanner, Sean. So there's 21 guys, and, you know, I don't – I'll say this. I don't know any spoilers for the season, nor do I want to know any spoilers in terms of who wins, and it seems like – because Katie's been very vocal on her Instagram page of how it works because a lot of people are going to Katie saying, I've never watched this show before. What happens? And she's not giving away what happened and who won, but she is saying that – the guys established before they go on the show, if they are a nice guy or an F-boy, based on their own definition. And then once they are eliminated, they tell the women, I'm a nice guy or an F-boy. And then before the finale, when they get down to a certain amount of guys, the guys do reveal to the women, like they did in season, I believe, two, if they are an F-boy or a nice guy. So they did that in seasons two and three. In season one and two, they never revealed it during the season. So it looks like we're getting that. Same thing again. When they get down to a certain amount for each woman, it turns into the guys have to reveal to them who they are. Nice guy or F-boy. And then there's still the whole pick a nice guy, you split the money, or you take the money. I, I can't remember what the, <laughs> the ending was. But um, while I have not heard any spoilers, I have heard some casting spoilers for this season and F-Girl Island that just basically started filming after F-Boy Island about a week later. So I know I know who the three men are that are leading F-Girl Island. And I know some... I, I, I've heard a couple names that are the women that are going to be on F-Girl Island. So that's really all I know. And I know... For F-Boy Island, the one that they just promoted yesterday and the one that is done filming. All I know is some casting-related spoilers to that. And we'll just leave it at that. So thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. Please follow me on Apple Podcasts. Rate and review if you can. That helps the podcast immensely. And the Sports Daily will be up in an hour from now, so check that out. But again, thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. I hope you all have a great weekend. And I'm back here on Monday with yet another week of Daily Roundup Podcasts. Thank you all for those that listen every day. If you listen once a week, twice a week, three times a week. However, it doesn't matter. As long as you listen, that's great. The more you listen certainly helps. But everyone have a great weekend. And I will talk to you on Monday. See you.